Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. Our desire is to help people understand God's intention for their life. We hope wherever you're listening, you are blessed by this week's message. Bless you. I'm so excited to once again be coming to your house. I want to ask you to do me one favor. Right where you are, if you can please grab a piece of bread, a little bit of juice. We're going to take communion in just a little bit, and I want to make sure you're prepared for that. And so we're going to have an amazing time. Um, You know, today is not only Communion Sunday, it being the first Sunday of the month, but it's also Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a Sunday that usually comes right before Easter, um, Easter Sunday. And Palm Sunday is really, really important because it's the time where Jesus enters Jerusalem for the very last time. The time that he enters Jerusalem before he's actually crucified. And um, the story goes where he is riding on a donkey. Everyone is yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. Hosanna, son of David. You know, they're lauding him. They're praising him. They're celebrating him. And it's amazing how people will hail you one day and then hail you the next, you know. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. He was on a donkey. They were celebrating him. And yet, Towards the end of his final time in Jerusalem, you'll see that he was weeping over the city because in the end, he knew that he was actually a rejected king. They did not want him. That's amazing because I I think about rejection often, and I think about how Jesus understands the pain of rejection. So let me ask you, have you ever been rejected? Do you know what it feels like to be rejected? I want you to know that Jesus knows what it feels like. He knows, what it's, he knows what it's like to love someone and that person deny even knowing him. He knows what it's like to feed someone, minister with someone, and that person betray him with a kiss. Jesus understands rejection very, very well. And so this coming into Jerusalem, this final entry into Jerusalem was a very pivotal moment because this was the time where Jesus was to be received, not necessarily ultimately as king on the earth right then and there, but the hopes was that the city would understand his purpose. The ruling class, the religious class, the religious leaders would understand who he actually was, but in fact, they rejected him. And this is what he says in Matthew 23, verse 37. He says, "'O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You were not willing. Jesus understood that people were not willing to receive him. Many did. Let's be clear about that. But many were not willing. And then he continues in verse 38. He says, see, your house is left to you desolate. I want to talk to you today about having peace in your house. I want to talk to you about what it looks like when your house is desolate, when your house is empty, and that's the result of rejecting Jesus. Now, I I would imagine that many of you looking at this, this broadcast right now, you've received Christ, so you understand that Jesus is in your life, and you're saved, and that's wonderful. Maybe some of you, you're watching, and, and that's not the case for you, so, you know, that you know, this is an important message for you as well. But no matter what side you fall on, 
I want you to know that it's very easy to reject the peace that Jesus comes to give. Because you understand, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, it was a proclamation of peace. When he was riding on a donkey, it was to show that I come in peace. You know, when a king rode on a horse into a city, it was a show of force. It was a show of war. But when a king came on a donkey, it was to show that I've come in peace. And Jesus was proclaiming peace to the city of Jerusalem, even though he understood that eventually they would reject him. And so I want you to know something, that there is peace right now being made available to you. You know, I, I, I'm personally getting tired, I'll be honest with you, talking about the COVID-19 situation. I am. You know, but I don't want to be tone deaf. I know that it's probably on your mind. I know that you're hearing it all day. I know that you're seeing it all day. And I'm not here to just inundate you again with the news. In fact, I want to share something with you that's going to help you be at peace even in the midst of all this situation. And so here's the reality. While the city is saying you need to be shelter in place, God is saying, I want you to have peace in your shelter. I want you to experience shelter in peace. And you can have that. And there are promises from the Word of God that speak to how to have peace in your home. And this is what Palm Sunday really is about. When Jesus came, he came bearing this message. I'm not coming to attack. I'm not coming for war. I'm not coming to beat you up upside the head. No, I'm coming to release peace. And so right where you are, I want you to begin to receive the peace of Jesus. Like I said, maybe you receive Christ, but are you enjoying his peace? More specifically, are you enjoying his peace in your own home? Now, let's be honest. Maybe you've been where you are quarantined for the last couple of weeks, and the people that you're, that you're quarantined with, maybe they're getting on your nerves, you know? Maybe you're sitting next to someone right now. You kind of, you know, you're getting a little, uh, you know, just a little short with. Maybe they're getting a little short with you. It's hard to be in one confined place and maintain your peace if you don't have the peace of God in your own life, if you're not walking in the revelation of his peace. So I want to share that with you. I want to show you how in Scripture you can walk in peace even in your home. I love this. You know, I'm going to share a scripture with you. In fact, I'll just reference it. Um, maybe you know the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, one day Jesus comes into the house. Martha invites him. This is her house. She invites him. Jesus comes. He's teaching. She's busy doing all that she's doing. Her sister Mary is the one who's actually sitting listening. Think about that for a second. While Jesus is teaching, Martha's getting upset. She's like, look, why are you allowing my sister to just, you know, leave me here serving by myself? Tell her to help me. And she's like, you know, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things, but one thing is needful. That always stood out to me because what Jesus was saying is, this is not about your sister helping you. This is not about you being upset that she's not helping you. I can see deeper you're stressed, you're worried, you're thinking about X, Y, and Z. And he says, you know what, Th all of that is not necessary. And here's the reason why I'm bringing this story up. It's because I believe that right now in your home, you should be at peace. Your home should be the place where you're not stressed. But today, many people are at home and they are stressed. 
And Jesus is here. You've already asked him in perhaps. Maybe you're saved. Maybe you said, Lord, come into my life. And he's saying to you, you're troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and that is the word of God. And so I just want to be just very blunt with you. If you want to see the peace of God in your life, you have to make God's word first and foremost. Maybe you've heard that before, but I want to ask you something. Have you been practicing it, or has CNN been first and foremost? Have the news been first and foremost? Has social media been first and foremost? Because I'm telling you right now, it is impossible to walk in peace if you are staying up to date with every news clipping. It is hard to stay in peace if every single day you're watching what's going on, seeing all the, all, all the stats, all the deaths, people are texting you, oh, this celebrity, that's going on. If you are constantly observing the news, you will not be a person of peace. So I want to challenge you right now, turn off the news. You may say, ah, you know, I need to be informed. I didn't say you have to be uninformed. I'm saying you cannot be engrossed by the news. You need to be engrossed in the word of God. That's what's going to keep you at peace. That's what Mary was doing. Mary was like, look, there's a lot to do. I get it. The kitchen needs to be cleaned maybe. Maybe the bathrooms needs to be, you know, cleaned up a little bit. Maybe I could straighten up here. But you know what? One thing is needful. One thing. And that's the word of God. The word of God will keep you at peace. I want to let you know that very clearly. The word of God will keep you at peace. You need to shut the noise. You need to turn off the news. You need to turn off. You know what? Even tell some of your loved ones, guys, look, for the next day or so, don't text me about X, Y, Z, unless it's something I have to know, unless it's like, you know, a loved one, something that requires my attention. I don't need to know about every single person that may be going this. No, unless I can do something about it, I don't need to know every single incident that's taking place. You need to start carving out a place. You need to start carving out a place in your own mind, in your own heart, where you say, this is a place of peace. I will be sheltered in peace, and nothing will break this barrier. You need to start putting a barrier around your thoughts, around your heart, around your eyes, around your ears, around what you're around. If you do not do this, you will be a person that is lacking peace even in your very home. So I'm seeing this right now. This is a moment where you have to make a choice. Am I going to be engrossed by the news, or am I going to be engrossed by the Word of God? Let me tell you something. I don't have all the answers. I don't have a lot of the answers, to be honest with you. But what I do know is this. If I stay rooted in the word of God, I will be kept at peace. And if I'm, at, and if I'm kept at peace, I can be useful to people who need ministry from me. And the same thing is true for you. If you're, at a, if you're in a place of peace, God can use you. But if you're broken, if you're saddened, if you're constantly worried, if you're stressed, if you're constantly confused, looking here and there, reading every text, every text message that comes in, every email, oh, my God, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Answering every call, you're, you're, you're going to be informed, but you're not going to be useful. I'd rather be useful than be informed. How about you? I want to encourage you on this. And this is something that's really funny because something else the Lord told me very pointedly. I'm just giving you a couple of nuggets here, and then we're going to take communion. How to have peace in your home. One, I told you already, making the Word of God first and foremost. 
make it your priority. But two, very simple, stop fighting. <laughs> stop fighting. Stop fighting. I sensed in my heart the Lord wanted me to just camp here, and he showed me that there are people that are constantly at odds with those that they live with, and they have failed to realize that this, this is a personal choice that they have made. You think that you have to be at odds with someone because of the way they are, because of their rudeness, or because of their lack of consideration, or because of this, or because of that. The reality is you are in control. And the Word of God is speaking to you right now, stop fighting. I mean, there's, there's more eloquent ways I can say that, I know. But that's the, that's the way the Lord put it in my spirit. Tell my people to stop fighting. Stop fighting things that you shouldn't be fighting. Stop fighting in your heart. Stop striving. Stop being at odds. Why? When you allow strife to enter your heart, you create an environment of anxiety. Look at the scripture here. It's found in Proverbs 17, verse 14. It says, the beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Think about that. I'll read that one more time. The beginning of strife, the beginning. You ever, you, you ever in a conversation and it's slowly rising, slowly rising, and you're like, okay, I can see where this is going, you know? And, you know, you can feel the tension slowly building, slowly building. And you know, okay, if, if I say this, that's it. It's, it's going to go, go left, right? And, and that's what the Scriptures are saying. The beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. Think about the releasing of water. Once you release water, you can't unrelease it. You can't capture it. You, it it's gone. It's done. It's done. Whatever the water is going to do, it's going to do. You can't, you can't catch it anymore. And this is what strife does. If you don't catch it, if you don't stop it, it creates damage that many times is irreparable. Let me read that one more time. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Here's the key. Therefore, stop contention. Or, like I said, stop fighting. Stop contention before a quarrel starts. I like this one. This is even more forceful. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is honorable for a man to stop striving. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. You know, someone who is contentious, someone who's always at odds, always fighting, always bickering, has a hardened heart. You know what the Bible calls that individual? A fool. Any fool can do that, but it takes a man of honor to stop contention. It takes a man of honor to walk in peace. So what's the point here? The point is this. You have the ability to choose, I am not going to be at odds. I'm going to be a person of peace in my home. I'm going to be an agent of peace, not one who causes quarreling and fighting. How do you do that? You release peace with your words. You release peace by deciding, I'm not going to fight. You release peace by walking in the Word of God. Your home, where you are, for the next 30 days, I know that our government is saying that they're, they're, they're encouraging shelter in place for the next 30 days or quarantine or however long it's going to be. Maybe it's longer. Look, I'm not happy about it. I'll be honest with you. I want to be out in the spring. I want to be out in the parks. I want to be doing different things. I had to cancel a, a trip that I had planned this month. You know, I'm not happy about it. But I ask myself, what am I going to do? 
Am I going to just be miserable home, you know, for the next 30 days, 40 days, 50 days, 60 days, however long? Am I going to be just mad that, you know, I can't do this and my family has to cancel our plans here? And No, I decided we're going to have an amazing time as a family for the duration of COVID-19. I want you to do the same. I want you to make a decision. Look, there's a lot I cannot control. There's a lot I cannot determine. But there's some things I can. And this is one thing I'm determining I'm going to control. I'm going to be a person of peace. I'm not going to enter into strife. In fact, I'm going to release blessing into my home. You know, that's what David did. David was blessing uh, uh, the people of God, and he was dancing, and he was just excited that the Ark of the Covenant was being returned back to, to Israel's camp. And the Bible says that he was going back home to bless his home. He was going back home to bless his home. And if you read the story, you'll see that when he went, his wife criticized him because he was dancing. And she said, oh, you know, you look like a, a, a silly person. You know, you're a king. And why are you dancing like this? And God judged him for that because, you know, David was a worshiper. And that, that, that's obviously something very important. But I like the fact that it says this, that David was going home to bless his house. So listen. I want you to see yourself as someone who is there to bless your house. You know, the Bible says that the person who troubles his, his own home will inherit the wind. There are people who are troubling their home. They're, they're, instead of blessing their home, they're troubling it. They're creating strife. They're creating problems. They're creating disruption, disruptions. No, no, no. Don't inherit the wind. Don't, don't, don't inherit strife. Don't, don't inherit confusion. No. Release peace over your home, and you can do that. God has given you the ability to do that. And if you would, you would see that the next 30 days, 35, 40 days, however long this shelter in place is, this will be a shelter in peace for you. That's what I'm speaking over your life. I want to leave you with a blessing found in Isaiah 32, verse 18. It says, my people will dwell in a peaceful habitation. I want you to, call, I want you to hold on to that. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Praise God. I'm going to read that one more time. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet, and, 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 and in quiet resting places. This is what the Word of the Lord is saying to you. I'm thinking of, um, and we're going to take communion in just a little bit, but even as we think about communion, and how it was a type and shadow in the Old Testament when the people of God were in the house. They had to be united. In the Old Testament, they had to be united in the house. And the instructions were, listen, don't leave the house. The sacrificial lamb, after you sacrifice and you take its blood and you put it on a doorpost, make sure you're all in the house. And so while there was devastation taking place outside of the house, the unity of the home kept everyone preserved. This is a time that you will be preserved. I know some of you, maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're sitting at home and you're thinking about how we're going to make it. This will be an awesome time. Gather those who, live, who, who, who you live with. Hey, let's every day, let's have a Bible challenge. I know it may sound corny, but listen, you'd be surprised how that is going to create unity in your home. And it's also going to stir up joy in your home. Why don't you challenge some people in your home? 
Let's have a Bible challenge. Who can quote the most scriptures? You know, again, I know that sounds like something you did when you were younger, or maybe you've never done it, but believe me, but, but listen, you have all the time in the world. You might as well do something, you know, when you think about it. You might as well do something. Start, start, start changing the conversation in your home. Start lifting up those hands, encouraging the people that you live with. Hey, can we, can we pray together? You know, maybe you live with people who don't know the Lord. Maybe there's some people who are not, don't share your faith. That's okay. Try to find common ground. Hey, can we, before we eat a meal, can we pray? Most people are okay with that. Try to find something that you can do that you can start creating an atmosphere of peace and begin to pray for those that you live with. I want to ask you, have you been praying for those you live with? Imagine that. Sometimes maybe you're in a place where it doesn't seem like it's joyful. Maybe you're, you're living with people who don't know the Lord. I don't know your context. But whatever the situation is, guess what? That's, that's your opportunity. That's your ministry opportunity. Is it possible that you're in the situation you're in right now, and one of the things that God wants to get out of this is those people in your home, they come out knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there are golden opportunities for us to take advantage of. But you got to make a decision this is not going to be a time of misery for me. This is not going to be a time of frustration for me. This is not going to be a time of drudgery for this home. No, it's going to be a home of peace, a home of joy. And whether I'm the head of the home or not, I'm an agent of peace. I'm a son of peace. I'm a daughter of peace. And I'm going to release the force of peace in this home in the name of Jesus. So I'm speaking that over your house right now. Your house will enjoy the peace of Jesus Christ. He said it this way, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, not, not that kind of peace. The, peace. the peace that the world has, that's a different kind of peace. I'm leaving you a different kind of peace. And that's the peace that I'm speaking over your life. The peace of Jesus Christ, may it rest over you now. May it be over you while you even go to bed. You won't have nightmares. You're not going to be overcome by fears. Even though you may have loved ones or you know people who may be susceptible or you're concerned about their health, the peace of God is going to calm you. It's going to cause a rest to come over you. It's going to cause you to be in quietness even now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to invite you right now to come alongside here and, and um, we're going to take communion together. You know, communion to me is a very intimate thing. Uh, Jesus, when he was meeting with his disciples, this is one of the last things he did before he died. And he met with his disciples and he gave them some instructions and he, you know, shared his heart with them and prayed with them. And the Bible says they sang a hymn and they worshiped and prayed and all of these things. So communion is very intimate. It's very personal. And Jesus instructed that we do this. And he says, as often as we do this, we're proclaiming his death. We're proclaiming his death. It's a very powerful thing. You know, I always think about how when people, you know, in the streets, for instance, if they're drinking and one of their friends have passed, they'll pour out some liquor and they'll say, this is for the brothers who ain't here, right? And, then, and, and before they, they partake, they pour some out to say, we want to remember this person's death. This person used to sing or, or used, used to smoke with us or used to rap with us or used to do whatever with us. He's not here. Let's pour this out. Well, Jesus is here, thank God. <laughs> he's, not, he's not gone. No, no, no. He, he's alive and well, but he still wants us to remember his death. He still wants us to celebrate his death. 
And the beauty in doing that is that when you celebrate his death, you are celebrating the power of it. So it's not just something that we do just, you know, okay, I'm sad he died. No, no, no. We rejoice because here's the good news. When he died, you died. And you're like, well, why is that so good? Because that old you that needed to die, thank God it died. <laughs> now there's a new you. That you that could never be redeemed back to God, that fleshly carnal you, that, that person is long, no longer around. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. So right where you are, if you would take your piece of bread, I'm going to take this wafer here, and it represents the body of Christ. I'm going to break it because his body was broken for you and for me. And the Bible declares that by his stripes we were healed. Oh, this is a perfect time to come into this reality. You were healed by the stripes of Christ. I say it all the time. When Jesus died, he died a gruesome death, and he died a gruesome death because he wanted to be not only the sacrificial lamb for our sins, but for our physical health. Praise the Lord. So your physical health is covered by his stripes. Let's lift it up in the air. Father, thank you for this bread, this wafer, Lord, that represents the broken body of Jesus. Father, we're so appreciative and thankful that we get to celebrate this awesome, awesome sacrifice. Father, we just pray right now that every sickness and every disease that may be lurking in the atmosphere, we declare that it has no place in our lives, no place, no place in our bodies, no place. I cancel mental debilitating diseases, physical diseases, viral diseases, any kind of pain and ailment. I command it now to be loosed off of your body. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. Let's commune. This represents, as you, as you know, the blood of Jesus, and we're going to receive the blessing that comes from his blood. His blood was shed so that your sins and my sins can be forgiven, cleansed, forever moved, removed from us. The Bible says that our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Think about that. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has placed our sin from us. He's completely forgiven it. Thank you, Father, for the forgiveness of sins. And right where you are, if you've never received Jesus, this is the perfect time to do so. You can say, Lord, I, I want to be saved. I want to know you. And all you need to do is say, Lord, I believe that you've died for my sins, and I receive, I receive the gift of salvation. That's what his blood offers. It offers you salvation from your sins. So let's lift this in the air. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that it's through the blood of Christ that we are forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that we are restored back to relationship with you. Thank you, Lord God, that the blood covers us and every evil has to over, has to pass over us. I declare that every evil that the enemy has planned against you has already failed. Amen. Has already failed and it is passing over you. The blood of Jesus will protect you. You are protected in the name of the Lord. Let us commune. Thank you, Father. Father, we bless you. Lord, we honor you. Man, that was awesome. I'm so excited about Jesus. You know, I want to just encourage you 
to stay in faith, stay in joy. Uh, listen, in the next couple of weeks, the next few weeks, um, you're going to see people really dealing with depression. You know, things may get bad, but it won't be true for you. And I want, I want you to hold on to that. Guard your mind. Guard your thoughts. God is going to preserve you. And I want you to get excited about that. Now, don't just get excited for yourself. Share the good news with others. Tell others that they also can be saved. Tell others that they also can have peace. Tell others that Jesus died for them as well. People are looking for hope. Let others know. And this will be a fruitful time. It's inconvenient. I know it. We don't like it. But it doesn't have to be a fruitless time. It can be fruitful and it will be for you. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our website at www.nylifechurch.com and click on the gift tab. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Go and live a purpose-driven life.